Hey there, who wants to be more blessed? I do. This is the Something to Bless podcast. And on this show, we are going to talk all things faith, mindset, and behaviors. If I'm speaking your language, stick around. If we want to be more blessed, we got to give God something to work with. And I'm going to help you to do just that. Let's get into it. Well, you guys are in for a special treat today. I am sharing with you my very first interview. It's more of a conversation. So my guest today is somebody who is very, very near and dear to my heart, very special to me. It's my sister, Diana, and she doesn't really need a formal introduction. But I will say that in every sense of the word, this girl is a warrior and you are going to hear her story and she's going to open up like she's never done before um, about her struggles with mental illness and share how she's coped with it over the years, beginning, you know, very young as a child and where she is today. And uh, hopefully that this will inspire you and just open your eyes uh, to something that is all around us. And I'm sure that if you haven't been directly affected yourself um, by your own struggles, I'm sure that you care for somebody who has. And so great conversation. Um, Before I share that with you, I want to remind you to join our Facebook group, our private group, um, Tribe Called Blessed. Find extra inspiration and encouragement over on that side and connect with me there. Also, This show is brought to you by Hope and Grace Gifting. So you can visit hopeandgracegifting.com and you will find we have six different decks, affirmation card decks, which are so encouraging and powerful and they make great gifts. So we have that and we have different uh, unique gift items that you can put together or not. But if you want to, there's an option to put them together in a really nice gift box and send them to somebody special today. Visit hopeandgracegifting.com today. Check it out. And without further ado, here is my conversation with my beautiful sister, Diana. All right, this is the very first time that I get to say welcome to the Something to Bless podcast. My sister, Diana, is here. Welcome, Diana. Hello, everyone. (laughs) So this is my first interview, and I knew that I definitely wanted you to be the first person that I talked to. Because um, in my Facebook group, Tribe Called Blessed, I, I put a question a while back and I asked everybody to give me some ideas for what they wanted to hear about. And mental health slash mental illness was one of the topics that came up the most. So I instantly thought of you. But even before that, I was like, oh, I definitely want to have you tell your story because I just know from all, so many people that I know that, you know, deal with and suffer from mental illness or have somebody close to them that does. So I definitely wanted to have you on and have you share your story. And we talked beforehand. So Diana is my sister. She's just a year younger than I am, but she is one of my best closest friends. And um, along with her struggles, I have struggled with her because of the love that I have for her. So um, I'm just, I'm super thankful that you have come to a place now where you're, you're willing to share because you, you weren't always so open about it. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure it takes a lot to like, just put, put it out there. Cause there, there has been such a stigma, but it, I don't know if you agree with me or if you see it as much, but I feel like so many people are talking about it now. Yeah. I feel like, um, once like, I just feel like since COVID after, after COVID, 
or during COVID because it's still going around. Um, I feel like that's when I, it started becoming more um, transparent that people actually, more people suffer than we actually knew about. And um, it's just becoming more apparent um, how how problematic um, mental health is and, and the, the need to the need for um for care is so it's it's actually it's helped me to um become more transparent about it yeah like i think it was actually an opportunity right this whole covid right thing, you have to find the good in it and i think one of the one of the good things about it is it did help a lot of people like you just come to terms with the reality of, of something that you have to struggle so much so long with and, um, and, and be willing to share it with others because now you're hearing about all these other people who are, you know, suffering right. in the same way. So let's start with your story. So give us some background on when, when you first started suffering with mental illness, how it looked, how it felt. Did you realize it was even, there was something wrong like just let's start off with with your story, like from the beginning. Okay, so I think around between nine and ten, I used to um, daydream a lot, and I I remember feeling sad quite a bit, but I didn't know what it was. I just didn't even know that it was any type of uh, mental issue, or um, I didn't even know what depression was. So. Um, I just remember being sad and uh, lonely, and then I think I over. I remember, and it just always pl- replays in my mind that I remember listening to the radio, and um, I was outside, and I was nine, only nine years old, and I heard a topic about um, depression, and back then it wasn't even uh, recognized at all. I mean, it was. Where did you hear that? I don't know. I just remember I was just outside and, and somebody was listening to the radio. Maybe it was um, oh, the grandpa or um, <laughs> uncle Rudy, but they had like the news on or something. And then like a, a topic about depression came up and I was, I was listening to it. I didn't quite understand it, but I'm like, what's depression. And um, I just remember it kind of replaying in my head. And then I, I also saw something on TV um, about anxiety. And I, I was watching this man like blowing it out of the bag, breathing in and out of the bag. And I was like, this guy is crazy. But I, I just remember it so vividly that it, it probably had some type of connection that I didn't even realize. Wow. So, um, so I always um, remember just being alone and, and thinking about how I wasn't happy about my life at nine years old. And, um, yeah, because we went through a lot, um, especially with, you know, um, mom and, um, and her abusive relationship. So around the time she was dating her husband, Mike, um, I was, I was very depressed and lonely. And um, did it start after she was married to him or before? Right. I, I can only recall it happening after she was married to him. So it must've been, yeah. From that time on. Yeah. And I always needed her attention, but she was never, ever available for me and she was never around. And so I was waiting up late at night, worried about her. So I, I believe I must've been suffering from anxiety back then because I would get really um, nervous and I was 
worried that she was going to die and she was never going to come home again. And that feeling of like the extreme fear, the, the highest level of fear was in inside of me. And I was just, um, just so worried about my mom that that was, that was what my life revolved around is her, but I didn't have her. So I just remember being really empty inside and, and lonely. Was this, was the worry because of the abuse that was happening? Um, I think that was part of it because I know that he, he, um, Mike used to hit mom and then he, I was worried about her dying. And then I knew that she went out in between, like she was always out at clubs or somewhere. Mm -hmm. So in between there was, yeah, the abuse and then also her going out. So, um, leaving a lot. Yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. No, so it was just, um, and that could have been, I could, I could be confused and that could have been like, um, a transition of like before, right before she met Mike, because she was leaving, going out a lot. And then it transitioned to her jumping into a, an abusive relationship. So those, that timeline might be, um, together. So that's might might've been started. It might've started right before she got into the relationship. Well, and one of the things I wanted to say, mention is that Okay, at the time there were just the five of us, right? Mom's five kids with dad, and for the listeners right. to clarify, and d- for so many years we we all had like different experiences because we were in different places. Like at at one point, you know, me and Sophia were with Grandma, and Gabriel was with Dad, and I think you and Adrian must have been with Mom, and and then it would and then it would rotate. Like we would all be right in different places at different times. And so we all have completely, even though we have a sh- an overall shared upbringing and experience, mm-hmm. um, we have different specific things that happened that, you know, caused us trauma. Right. And affected us completely different. Yeah. And I feel like it affected me in a different way because I was always with mom like wherever yeah. she went, I was with her, whether I was left alone somewhere, but I was wherever she traveled. That was, uh, that's where I was, wherever she resided. That's where I was. Um, yeah. Yeah. You, you were, I was with grandma the most. I felt like. Yeah. Yeah. And then I always was for some reason traveling with mom, wherever she went from house to house or, and then back to grandma's. Cause she did move around a lot. Like we had different roommates. I mean, there were times when, you know, we would all be with her and then she would be renting a room somewhere or whatever, but we would all be with her. Right. So yeah. And, um, you know, she, her, her own drug use started probably around that time too, when she got married and, and that's why she was, wasn't always as present and easier to kind of let us go here or go there or whatever. Cause she was preoccupied with, that right and just wasn't able to be there emotionally for for us right i'm sure she would have wanted to otherwise but she she, her own battle was was starting then during that time yeah so then you're 9 10 like that's when you first noticed that you have these feelings of sadness and loneliness right and then i felt like it affected me in many different areas of my life like at school you know, I didn't have a whole lot of, you know, clothes or I didn't fit in with the crowds because I felt like I was poor <laughs> and yeah. I didn't have as much as others. And um, back then I was a little chunky too. I was a little round. <laughs> and um, we, used to call it, 
you know the um diana's birthday was recently so all the siblings we usually do a good job of reminding each other or not reminding but maybe sending a group text and just being like hey happy birthday to so-and-so but on your birthday i sent a text to Adri- just adrian and sophia for some reason and i was like it's bubble butt's birthday <laughs> <laughs> that's what they used to call me at school <laughs> and that would embarrass me so bad <laughs> so funny we all have our um i was fish lips i hated yeah those. you have the yeah. fish lips <laughs> <laughs> so you okay so you were ch- i don't remember you being chunky at all chunky chunky cheeks well no i was round very round and bubbly like butt cheeks and cheeks, cheeks. <laughs> yeah, i had uh little cheeks i had the bubble butt the little baby baby um fat arms like they weren't fat but they were round and i was just a little short little stocky girl <laughs> and then i would like always look at the girls with the flat butts and i would be like i want a flat butt what like i was just praying to god to give me a flat butt <laughs> a little bit i know now we're thankful for oh yeah now i'm grateful to have a butt but <laughs> before i was i was so sad about butts i was just like <laughs> okay yeah so like school you had you suffered a little bit at school too so I suffered at school and um you know just I had I also had buck teeth too for (laughs) forever (laughs) and mom didn't take care of my teeth so that was like oh my gosh you know this is embarrassing we were jacked up (laughs) I I had a rough life (laughs) I had it rough and then you know the also another another thing that there were so many things that impacted me or that I actually was very sensitive about is being um, a minority because um, I felt like I wasn't paid attention to at school or teachers weren't giving me that that respect that I deserved and um, or that attention that I needed. So a lot of the plus I was shy. So it felt like a lot of things were against me. So you had like insecurities developed then. Yes. Yes. And then, you know, so I was, I was also struggling in school and that wasn't being, um, recognized. That wasn't being like, I wasn't, it just wasn't addressed. So, so going on into my like junior high school, um, I was still, you know, small for my age. And so, um, I fit, I did one, finally I fit into this one school, but it was all kids that were messing up. So it wasn't a positive. That you made friends with? Yeah. All my friends were getting into trouble. We lived in a really bad area. Everyone was either like in gangs or, you know, wannabe gangs. And, um, it was, uh, there was always fights at the school at, at sixth, seventh grade, I think it was. Uh, eighth grade, seventh, seventh was okay. Seventh was actually one good year of my life. One really, really, really good year. And then I went into um, eighth grade and yeah, that was just, uh, I was just getting into lots of trouble. Went into juvenile hall for fighting. What? Yeah, I, I got into fights left and right going <laughs> And then, I did not know this or did I totally forget like everything else? You must have forgot. I mean, of course you're going to like, there's little gaps that we forget about but yeah I, I i robbed my friend's house because <laughs> what? yeah i thought she stole my clothes because somebody one of my friends had a, a bag of my clothes and they were my favorite clothes and one of my friends blamed another friend and then i took it out on the other friend that had nothing to do with anything and oh my goodness a group of my friends i i gathered them up and we all went to their house and broke into their garage and took all the, their belongings because i thought she had my clothes 
It's not funny, but it's hilarious. <laughs> yeah. So then I somebody saw me and they reported me to the police. And then uh, I um, actually they didn't they let that fly. Actually, I didn't go to juvenile hall for that, but I almost did. They they wrote a report and then they dropped the charges. So I was a I was ready to face, face some time in juvenile. Hall. <laughs> But I think it was um, another fight. Oh, we got in a fight with. <laughs> we went to your high school to fight. <laughs> I don't know if I should name names, but anyways, there was a girl that you didn't like, and I took it very personal. And then I had a little pit bulls, by the way. You, you're always on everybody if I say something. <laughs> and so, yeah, if anybody messed with my family or my, especially my sister, like. Uh, I was ready, you know, to go into attack mode and go get revenge. And so slashing tires. What's that? Is this the slashing tires? Yeah, but you told me about that. I don't remember doing that. Oh my gosh. Okay, yeah. So so Diana went to the high school, right? And slashed some tires. That's apparently that's what I did. I don't remember. <laughs> allegedly. Yeah, allegedly. Oh, that's hilarious. Well then would you go to ju- juvenile? Her. Uh, we had jumped, we had jumped somebody, and like robbing, slashing tires, jumping people. Like yeah. you were off the hook. Yeah, we were so. Off. We all were. And so that I went to juvenile hall. I went to juvenile hall for like a week or so, two weeks, and um, I didn't get along with the staff, and I had, I did make friends in there. Of course, I made friends with all the bad kids. Of course. <laughs> Yeah, all the black sheep get together, but yeah, it was just I, I got along with people that had issues. <laughs> so that's too funny. Yeah, so but the, in between all that, there was a lot of depression and a lot of uh, bad choices being made. Uh, no, you know, no adult guidance going on. So I was very lonely and very, um, yeah, depressed. And I yeah. guess when I noticed that I was. Um, going through depression is when I was 14 and I had my very first boyfriend and obviously I wasn't really, you know, faithful then either. And and I just making one bad choice after another. And then he he broke up or we broke up and I couldn't get over him for some reason. And I attached myself to him, I guess, and he wouldn't take me back. So uh, then I went to the, uh, deep depression because I didn't really have a lot of friends. I was a little bit overweight at that time. And um, only 14. Yeah, I was 14, 14 years old. And I went through every cabinet I could find and I grabbed some pills and yeah, I took all the pills that I could find in the house. I emptied out the house pretty much. with. Um, What house was this? Uh, Scotty street. So we lived in King and story in San Jose and that's a really, really bad, bad area. Yeah. Um, and so I took all the pills and I was hoping that I would just be gone by, you know, in my sleep. I was hoping to be gone in my sleep. Yeah, because I just couldn't handle my life anymore. It was just too much, too much. So what happened? Like, what happened to you? So I woke up in the morning the next day and I was on the floor screaming because my st- oh my goodness. Yeah, my stomach was in pain and I had to... Um, so remember when um, Daniel lived there, my mom had a roommate named Daniel and he actually had AIDS and um, he was someone that I could confide in and talk to because he was easygoing and he was nice. And um, 
I confided in him because I trusted him and I told him what I did because I, I, I was just in too much pain. It would, I couldn't bear it anymore. So I just confessed to him and told him I needed to go to the emergency room. So I went to the emergency room and, um, this is kind of hard for me to talk about, but, it, um, they put, they gave me charcoal and they told me if I didn't take this charcoal that they would put a tube down my throat and, and make me vomit it out because it's, it was tox, toxic and I, I was poisoned. So I had to get it out of my system. So the only way I could do that was drink this tubes of, I think there was quite a few tubes of charcoal and it was awful. It was awful, awful, awful. And, um, so they kept me in this facility, um, for people, I guess, that are at, you know, suicide, at risk of suicide, and that had extreme mental um, illnesses, and um, they keep you there on hold until you get, like, approval from your mother, or they, you know, sometimes people just can't leave because they're that bad off, but um, because I was 14 years old, and that's never happened before, and there's no, there was no sign, there were no, there was no history of mental illnesses or anything any type of that on me so they let me go later on and um nothing was ever done about it I did get counseling I went to two sessions and that was it and um it was see it was just kind of like a quick fix and it wasn't really nothing was ever treated you know I wasn't treated but I so I kept going on with the depression it just stayed with me and then other issues started developing um I think around 16 is when, um, I was still doing bad and, um, I went to a continuation school and I, um, I was going through dieting. That's when I first, I think at 16 is when I first started, you know, struggling with my weight. And then I tried several diets and I would even um, starve for three days, like at a time. And I wouldn't eat at all. Maybe like once a day, I would eat once a day. And then I wouldn't eat. I would try to starve myself. And then um, I would lose a lot of weight. I would lose a lot of weight for a short period of time. Then I'd gain it right back. And then I, yeah. And then I heard, I guess I heard somewhere on TV. So sometimes like, you know, when they have like, treatments for um people that are you know they are um they have uh can't think of the word that I'm looking for but um seminars or something like to help people prevent prevention mm-hmm. um there was something on a prevention about uh um what are they like anorexia anorexia and bulimia and I got the idea from that to start vomiting to to do uh bulimic to you know I became bulimic because then that was easier for me than starving myself so then um I would eat as much as I needed to or I wanted to like it just became an obsession and I would eat and then I'd vomit and then I wouldn't eat for the rest of the day um but um that went on for several several years until I was like 23 oh my god yeah, and I remember, like you know, as a teenager, that's when we we all did live in the same house on Scotty Street, and and I was aware of it, and I don't I don't remember what I actually how I actually responded to it, mm-hmm. but I was very very upset about it and <clears throat> concerned about it, and I would always you know try to make mom do make something happen like to change it to stop it, mm-hmm. but I remember she was always very hesitant, like very very cautious and. 
I don't think anybody knew what the heck to do. Yeah. And um, actually, that's when you stepped in. Mom got you involved. I was so humiliated. I was embarrassed beyond like just belief. I was just so embarrassed about it. So you took me to the seminar. I don't know if you remember that. No. And it was <laughs> things that we just don't remember. It happened. <laughs> and that was actually a big moment in my life because I you took me to this university because you were so like bothered by, you know, disturbed by that and just worried about me. So you took me to this university and they had this speech about bulimia and um this um bulimia and um anorexia and I asked you a question and I said do you think that you know what can happen to you if you don't eat at all can this can this affect your brain like I thought you could you know I don't know how just affect your mind somehow permanently and you said yes I was so scared and that speech did help me the speech was very impactful so I I think I stopped for good at that point because I was scared straight Oh, wow. Because of the effects that it could have on your um, your body. I mean, it can kill you. And Well, wait. Okay, so this started about 16, right? Yeah, that was 16. You did it for, so you, so you, okay, well, in between that, you had Vanessa. So you had no, Vanessa at no, 17. That was right before Vanessa. Yeah, I know. But so you said you suffered with that. For oh, oh, yeah. So even if, after I had um, Vanessa. Vanessa, yeah, I still had that issue. I would, so there would be times where I would go without the eating disorder. Um, I would, you know, be doing good or, you know, I was stable for a while and then something else would come up and then that's when the eating disorders came back again and, and then I would vomit. And um, so I feel like, you know, certain events in my life triggered that and um, I would go back to, certain things that I was comfortable with or that, you know, that, that temporary relief. Mm -hmm. Um, because I just didn't know, I didn't make the right choices. I didn't know how to live. I didn't know how to make right decisions because yeah. I was never guided. I didn't have guidance in my life and I wasn't involved in sports. I didn't really have friends. So a lot of things, like I said earlier, were against, I felt like all odds were against me. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I just went into vicious, vicious cycles over and over and over. And it was, um, and then when I met, um, uh, Andrew, my, um, my very first boy, real boyfriend, um, I got pregnant. The first real boyfriend that I had, um, I had Vanessa and, um, that was, uh, you know, because that was my first um, time being intimate with somebody. So it was, it caused anxiety, you know, because, um, I felt like something opened inside of me that was just like, you're a woman now or something. Um, mm. it did, it triggered me in a negative way where I just couldn't handle life anymore because, um, I didn't know how to deal with that. I wasn't ready for that type of stuff. So, um, I had extreme anxiety and then I got pregnant and that added to that. And I spiraled out of control again. And I was, um, I was just in deep, severe depression. And, and then I started, you know, I, I didn't even know what anxiety was until that, that time about 16. Then, um, that, you know, 
made everything worse. And then I went to the doctors and they looked at me like I was crazy and they thought I was crazy and they thought I needed to, to seek help. Um, but they like the doc, the nurses and the doctors were like very unfamiliar with that. That was unheard of back then. And that was like, seems like so recent, you know, it just seems like at a time where you would think that everybody would know about it, but no one was aware of, um, mental health back then it wasn't it was frowned upon and it was yes that's what I was going to just say is like that's why there there is this stigma around mental illness that's why so many people have stayed silent and suffered in silence and in in a lot of cases it's so heartbreaking how many people have just gotten to the point of not being able to feel like they could live another day and 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 you know ending their life because of this, because of this ignorance and lack of awareness and stigma. And I'm so thankful that it's now starting to change. And that's, you know, you are part of that because you're sharing your story. You're not, you know, there was this entire time where you were just so embarrassed by, you know, what you had to deal with and didn't want any, but you were extremely private, extremely private. And yeah. thank God that you're still here to tell your story and share it and, and do your part to just, you know, bring about the awareness that we need. Yeah, I, I, I do know that there are a lot of people struggling out there that just don't know how to, how to get the help or where to get the help. Because also when you do get help, sometimes it's not the right help or, um, or there's not enough support. Um, yeah, you've had to, you it, you have to be your own best advocate in, in this situation, in probably every situation. But when you suffer like this with mental illness, you right. have, I've seen you, you've had to go through so many hoops and so much work just to find the right resources, the right help. Right. Yeah. It, it takes a long time. So. And I hate that. It's not right. Yeah. I feel like, yeah, the awareness is needed, but more than, um, more than awareness is is necessary to help someone with um, depression because it's almost like you need a team, a whole yes. team of, of support. And there's so many components to um, to this mental illness that like you have to make a lot of changes in your life and you have to have the right support and, and it becomes a complicated thing. So um, I just, I would like, to get the word out and then also to help people, you know, somehow find, find a way to get the, the help out there, like to how to treat mental illness. Like, well, what have you done? So, okay. So starting at nine, you started feeling the depression and anxiety and the loneliness and the sadness and the insecurities. And then you developed the eating disorder, bulimia, and then more anxiety. Like, so, and that all continued to this day, right? Like you still struggle. Yeah, still. So now I have many disorders. I just, um, my doctor, my therapist helped me um, understand the, all the disorders I have. And I have several disorders other than, you know, anxiety. I have OCD. I have um, PTSD. I have a personality disorder. And um, so there's some personality a borderline personality disorder it just means um i don't even really it's hard to explain um like how does it affect your life would you say 
Uh, you don't trust people. It's mm. you have a hard time trusting anybody. So there's that, and um, um, there's an awkwardness there inside. It's just, it's all mental related, but it's um, there's an awkwardness about me, and it's due to just being uncomfortable with who I am. Um, not just I think other things, other mental disorders. Uh, have manifested into that and I just feel like um so yeah you don't you have a uh, there's some paranoia there mm-hmm. I feel like it's um uh I think my doctor mentioned it's like I don't want to say the wrong thing on but he did ask me in question if I was um schizophrenic so it was like it's like you're not quite schizophrenic but it's like kind of like somehow in that family mm. it's like a, a like a like a just a less um intense form of that i just feel like it's just um well when people hear schizophrenia i think they hear they they automatically connect it to like voices in your head or yeah and this is i don't get voices in my head so that, that that's not there but it's almost like you do get some type of paranoia related um, it's like your own your own voice so loud against you huh right it's complete like insecurity and then you do there are there is some belief that people are talking about you so you do like um that's the paranoia part there's that it's yeah so it's um a different type of uh, paranoia and a you know so uh, i would think that people were whispering about me or out loud and and then um people would look at me and I think they're pointing at me and looking at me and then they're having a discussion about me. Like, and I don't know, it just, it's, 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 it's an ugly feeling. And then you just so, feel like everybody's against you. So, so since you're aware of that, does it help now that you're aware of what you have that you can like say, Oh, you know, no, that's not, that's not reality. That's this, that's the disease or the illness. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I have to self-check myself. Um, and then just realize, you know, I'm, I'm just being a little paranoid. So I, I do, yes, I do remind myself. And then I um, try to change my thoughts. Yeah. Right away. The power of the mind. And that's like what I'm so big on right now is just the power of your own thoughts. Yeah. So that, um, that helps a lot. So I feel like, you know, if you just, um, what helped me was when I started to, run because that was um connected to a time of my life when i used to run i used to be a runner in junior high and that was like the best time of my life sixth grade that's when i said my sixth and seventh grade were like that was a really good year a year and a half for me you're all bad with your little jogger shorts remember those (laughs) (laughs) you had those little nylon striped shorts with your little tennis shoes i don't remember I don't remember that. She thought she was hot stuff, people. Oh my gosh, never knew. <laughs> I do, I was a real good athlete. I'll tell you that. I was really good at. I just that school in particular. They were big on sports, and I I played tennis. I played basketball, and I was really good at everything like um, strength training. I was I was one of the strongest girls in the school. I got an award for that. Um, and then the track, I was one of the fastest girl runners. Yeah. In school. I always remember you being fast and running. 
Yeah. So, um, I, so I don't know, maybe that relates to, um, maybe that's a reason why I like to run so much. It gives me this good feeling of empowerment and, um, it releases those endorphins. So, um, every time I run, I get back on top of my game. I just feel like I'm, I'm in cloud nine. So, um, you know, that with a combination of medication changed my life, you know, um, or my, you know, it really helped me overcome. Are you currently taking medication? Um, right now? No, because I've gained so much weight. (laughs) I've gained so much weight and, um, I'm actually doing great without it because, um, I'm not, you know, I just, I think I came to a point where I'm, I'm, I'm good without it. Like I, I reached that point where it, it wasn't really working for me or I would have to take even more. Yeah. And then it does make you a little tired and it does, you know, um, you get more cravings for carbs and salty and sweets. Yeah. And then, you know, what you're eating is going to affect you negatively also. So it's a fine balance and you have to just keep tweaking and, until you find what works best for you. I know I've, you know, been along much of the journey with you where you're like trying different medications and tapering with the, even the dosages and, um, you know, amount that you take and all of that. But you you know yourself best and you know what works and what doesn't. And, and I think that you have really good a, a really good uh, ma- management in place right now. Right. right yeah, I figured a lot of things. I did a lot of soul searching last year. Yeah. And I've learned so much from just um, getting things ripped out, uh, away from my life. Um, things were, uh, things had to be removed. Uh, toxic people, mm. toxic people, yeah. especially that's like a huge trigger. Mm-hmm. And so I had to remove everything, everything from, from scratch. Like I just had to just go cold Turkey almost like, and um, I've I've done so much soul searching, just being alone. Yeah. But then, um, with the support that I had, mm-hmm. my my therapist, and um, just making um, some big changes and small changes, um, just helped me to reflect on my life and how these things were impacting the way I think or the way I feel daily, and um. I've made so many, so many changes and, um, and now I feel like now I, I got a good handle on this and, um, I have confidence. I, it it gives me like a lot of hope whenever I know that you're doing well, like you're, Mm -hmm. you're you're handling it well, you're, you're managing everything. You're, you're in a good place. Yes. Cause, um, recently, uh, well not too recently, but when we were talking about, uh, just you being single, and you were at peace with it. You were like, I'm so at peace with it. And I was like, so thankful because, you know, I know a lot of single people at our age. Right. And it can't, it's not easy, but yeah, you have so much self-work to do still. Yes. Uh, you become the priority. Yes. So I prioritize myself now. Like it's me first and, and it's a healthy thing. It's not a, neg- it's not a selfish thing. It's a very healthy yeah thing to do um so yeah i i'm not ready for relationship it's it's something i want eventually but not now because um for many reasons and i i just i'm not ready for that i'm not interested in it because because i know what it what it brings you know responsibilities are you know that it brings that comes with it and the attention you have to give 
to a relationship is just not desirable for me right now. And right now I'm doing a lot of positive things for myself that are, that I, you know, look forward to. So it's, it's actually giving me that um, satisfaction that I need. Like, I don't need that relationship right now. I know what my priorities are now. And that is definitely not one of them right now. Yeah. I love that. That's amazing. Yeah. Um, okay. What about, you know, this is something to bless. So I always try to incorporate like scripture or whatever, but you, mm-hmm. um, you have a very off and on relationship with God. Yeah. <laughs> Like, you believe in God today? We're gonna can I give you, can I give you some scripture today? Yeah, I need help. <laughs> well, let me tell you why. Let me tell you why. Because I have been so um hurt by people in the church and um I've been misguided and there's been a lot of confusion involved in that and um it it turned me off, you know, but so right now where I'm at is, I don't know right now. I don't know where my faith is at. I do want it, but um, uh, yeah, there's just so many things that have confused me. Like uh, people yeah. just uh, people saying one thing and then doing another or just um, speaking on behalf of God. So just, um, you know, saying that God said this or... And and I know he doesn't tell you, you know, certain things. So I just feel like right now, I think I need to kind of fall back into it healthy and the healthy way will not, not being so extreme because I'm an extreme person. I have a extreme personality. So that's why I feel like my, the mental health interferes with that because, um, because, you know, you can twist things or you can misconstrue things and you just like it's easy to get manipulated at times. Yeah. And so you just got to have, I have to have healthy boundaries. And right now um, I'm just kind of trying to let things fall naturally in place. And um, you got to go at your own pace. Yeah. I don't want to be forced into it or. Um, <laughs> well, we, we, have, we have laughed about it many times because, you know, I'm, I'm always about it. And then you'll be like, I don't know if I'm believing today. <laughs> Yeah, it'll be like one next week. I'm very like hardcore into it, and then I, I can't believe he died for me. And then you're all, I don't know if I believe he died. <laughs> Doctor, <laughs> so, yeah, what's that? What is it, Doctor Jekyll or no, um, Mr. Hi- Doctor Jekyll and Mr. Hyde? Yes, yes, that's who I am with the <laughs> Oh my gosh. Well, I mean, is there anything else that you felt like you wanted to share? Actually, there is one thing that I do want to touch base with just for any listeners out there that are really um, wondering, you know, when did this um, depression didn't just end overnight? Um, I I went through another scare um, recently, another suicidal scare. And um, that that's this is where um, I hit rock bottom you know, so this time around, um, I think it was a year ago. Do you remember, Barbara? Mm-hmm. About a year was, ago. Yeah, it was about a year ago. And it was just another bad time in my life. I wasn't doing well um, financially. And the relationship I got into was definitely uh, too soon after my divorce. And it was um, too quick. And so um, it, it wasn't a healthy relationship as well. 
And um, I just felt like a lot of things were just coming at me again. Life, life just happened. And um, the downs of life came and I, I didn't handle it positively. So um, I hit rock bottom. And again, there I was back in the hospital. So this on your own voluntarily, voluntarily, because I knew, I knew, you know, my kids need me. My kids are the ones that need me. Yeah. Um, I have dependents, people that, you know, that look up to me. And so I just knew, um, that's why I needed to be here is because of them. Um, otherwise I didn't have, you know, I didn't feel like I had any reason, but I have dependents, which means I am responsible for them, no one else. And I can't just leave them and abandon them. And um, I also am a person, so I need to learn to love myself. And mm-hmm. I think every human, I, I, I mean, I know every human matters and every human is a blessing. So um, I just don't you know, it's not, it's not worth it. There, there are so many things to look forward to. And even though I'm not fully recovered, I know that there's so many things to look forward to in life. And I, and I'm on my way because I'm doing a lot of things, a lot of um, things for myself that are self-help, um, positive things. Like I, I'm taking care of myself in every aspect of my life and in every decision I make very carefully now, because I know that um, any little thing can, can trigger me or impact me. So if I don't make right decisions, then, then, you know, that's where the depression comes in or the, you know, the mental illness comes in. It's um, that's, I feel like I did want to touch point on this is um, your body is, um, when it comes to mental health, yes, it's it's something in the in the brain. It's a chemical imbalance that you you cannot control. But there are many many components that you can control, and that I learned all this year. I learned I mean, over time, and then recently is um, that your your body reacts like like a headache or um, like a like. Let me just. I don't want to say the wrong thing, but like, let's just say you're, you're sick. You have the flu. Your body is trying to tell you something. Something's not right. And even though it's a chemical imbalance, whatever you're bringing into your life is impacting you. And so when you're, I feel like you're at a, um, um, like just say depression stronger or, uh, your mental, your mental illness is acting up more than, than, um, the other days it's the worst your body reacts um, intuitively and it, it just tells you when something's wrong and that you got to take care of something so it's like a headache or a, a flu or a cold your body's trying to communicate with you and um, you got to take care of it you got to like look at every aspect of your life um, mm-hmm. because stresses in life can really really impact you and trigger you in so many ways so you just really gotta take care of yourself take care of uh, your responsibilities and um take care of your health run there's so many things you can do to contribute to good health and a a healthy mind yeah you've you've done that you've done such a good job with that taking charge of your diet and your 
friendships and your conditions at work. I mean, you, in so many different areas, you have taken charge and done as much as you possibly can on your own to make it a better situation. And there's a better outcome because of that. Right. Yeah. So there's always hope every day, every new day, there's hope. And there's so much hope to be had. So for somebody, you can relate to the people who are feeling like there is nothing left to live for. Mm-hmm. That's a lie. And there is. Yeah. And dang, I would say, you know, if you want to find, if you want to connect with my sister, um, Diana, good luck. Cause she's just really nowhere. You don't have any social media. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I'm like, you are committed to, to doing something in the near future on YouTube for this. Yes. I'm actually getting ready to start, um, YouTube, um, um, based on health, just health and um, mental health. Healthy habits for, yeah. for dealing, for coping, right? Yeah. And there's going to be several topics, but yeah, I'm working on that right now. So I will, I will be <laughs> on social media soon. <laughs> I'll let you guys can, you guys, in the meantime, you guys can connect through me. I'll yeah, you. <laughs> yes. There's a middleman here that can yeah. get you to the right. Well, person. I just, yeah, I want to, um, I do want to just thank you for, for coming on and sharing all of that. I, there's so much more. We could stay on here for two hours longer to share because there's there's actually some questions I had that I wanted to get into, but my listeners are used to episodes that are about 15 minutes max, so they're going to be like, this is a big one. But <clears throat> um, yeah, I'm proud of you. You know, I love you more than anything in this world. And when you're happy, I'm happy. And mm-hmm. I'm always here for you. And, you know, for anybody suffering, I hope this, this gave you a glimmer of hope or insight and awareness. Maybe you have somebody that you care about that is suffering, or maybe you have somebody that you care about that you is suffering and you are completely unaware, but there maybe will be signs that you can pay attention for and um, just, you know, show support and love and encouragement. Yeah. And I did, I didn't want to leave without um, giving you credit. <laughs> so I love you too. And thank you for everything. And actually Barbara was, is one of the main reasons how, you know, why, why I got better and why I took care of myself as her and my doctor, um, are the reasons they're my inspiration and, um, they've helped me overcome this, um, by consistently being by my side and being available to me. So thank you so much. It's for me, it's a blessing. Like, I'm just so, I feel so grateful that I get to be your sister and just be here for you whenever you need me. Thank you. So, okay, well, we will end it here. I love you. And uh, to the listeners, thank you for being here. Until next time, be a blessing and be blessed. Bye.